Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. wanted to come to you. We uh, decided not to have in-person services this evening because we had so many people that were going to be out for various reasons. And so we just decided to do a Facebook Live tonight. Wanted to come to you and share some word with you. Hopefully encourage you this evening. You know, um, there was a Sunday school teacher who, who asked her, her class, how many people can quote Psalms 23? And, and there were several that raised their hands up, including this little girl. She's four years old. She just shot her hand up in the air. And, and she jumped up and she said, The Lord is my shepherd. I got all I want. She had the words mixed up, but she knew the meaning of the message perfectly. You know, just about everybody's heard 23rd Psalm, even if they can't quote it correctly. And, you know, it's it's a poem in the Bible. Um, it's been called the sweetest psalm ever written. Abraham Lincoln read it whenever he was fighting um, the blues. And President Bush read it to the nation after the 9-11 attacks to try and calm the fears of the people. You know, we could call uh, call it the psalm that calms the soul. And, you know, uh, since that psalm is so familiar, uh, a lot of times we're in danger of missing out on its meaning some. And, and, and because its setting is in the world of sheep and shepherds, you know, a lot of us can, can slide right past the richness of the scriptures and, and the richness of, of its meanings. Do you realize that the word of God refers to us, the church, um, God's people as sheep nearly 200 times? And, and that's not usually a good compliment to give somebody, you know, you're a sheep because sheep are smelly. Sheep can be stubborn. Sometimes sheep are prone to wonder. I think that's a pretty good definition of most of us. Sometimes we're prone to wonder. We wander away from what God has for us a lot of times. And, and we, we lose our way in life sometimes. We can be stubborn when things don't go our way. We can be stubborn and we can, we can be smelly or <laughs> we can have stinking attitudes so let's read psalms 23 tonight it says this the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, one commentary uh, explains that this passage is, you know, from a hymn about resting confidently in the Lord's care. It uses two images. The first is the Lord as the shepherd who cares for the sheep. You know, we see that in, in, in verses one through four. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. But do you realize what pastures in Israel look like? They don't look like what, you know, if we think of a green pasture. You know, I, I, was, I was born in Grayson County, Kentucky, and you look at a pasture there, that's nice little rolling hills covered with grass, and, and everything's just beautiful and serene. And, but in Israel, that's not what pastures look like. You know, the, the regions in, in Israel where uh, shepherds live are predominantly wilderness areas. <clears throat> and they have two seasons. They have a rainy season that lasts from November through March when everything in the desert becomes green. And then they have a dry season from April to October where everything in the landscape is brown. You know, and even during the rainy season, the wilderness grasses are, are short. Um, you know, blades of grass grow up through the little shards of rock that are everywhere. And where moisture gets trapped. And, you know, and at first glance, those green pastures don't look so green. They look like a rocky and a barren wasteland. But each day, a few blades of grass pop up. They grow and there's enough to nourish the flocks for another day. You know, the Lord providing and giving provision for the sheep. Or for us, it isn't giving us more than we'll ever need at times. But providing for that moment. You know, the shepherd will take care of his flock and, 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 and the sheep aren't worried about tomorrow. They're not worried about an hour from now. You know, they're definitely not worried about the current circumstance that because they're being taken care of by the shepherd. The shepherd's taking care of them. He's watching over us and he's keeping them. You know, the truth is the good shepherd will lead us in green pastures and by still waters. Psalm paints that peaceful picture of the Lord's care for his children. Ask the Lord today to Refresh your soul to guide you along paths of righteousness, to guide you along paths of healing and restoration, to allow you to experience the rest that requires submission to the shepherd. Submit yourself to the shepherd today. You know, Louis, um, let me read this so I can be sure to get it right. Louis 
Giglio writes in his book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. This is what he says. You may be surrounded by pressures and troubles and uncertainties and misunderstandings, but God has set a table for you in the middle of all of this. God's got your back. He is the Lord of all creation. All strength and all power and authority belong to him. He's the king of the universe. When God's walking you through the valley, you can stop worrying about managing all of the outcomes. You can stop looking over your shoulder. You can stop looking over your shoulder. And that brings us to, to the second image in, in verses 5 and 6 of the 23rd Psalm, where we see the Lord as the host that cares for his guests. You know, those, those are familiar experiences in, in, uh, in David's life. But they... Um, they evoke other ideas that are common in other Near East um, cultures with the deity as, as the shepherd of his people and the deity as the host of the meal. You know, in worship, the faithful celebrate God's greatness and, and his majesty. And when they sing that song, they see his majesty the way he personally attends to each one of his covenant lambs. You know, a single flock might have as few as 10 sheep, as many as several hundred. But a good shepherd knows each one of them by name. He knows each one of the sheep. He knows their characteristics and their personalities. And regardless of how big those numbers could be, we find John 10 three through five to him to who to the good shepherd to him the gatekeeper opens the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he's brought out all of his own he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice a stranger they'll not follow but they'll flee from him for they don't know the voice of strangers. You know, uh, uh, you know like, like David, when he uses the metaphor of a shepherd to describe God, uh, that's not just talking about a designation or, or, or a name for the Lord. Uh, but that talks about a, a relationship between God and his covenant children. He's the shepherd of Israel as a whole, and, and in being such, you know, he's the shepherd for every faithful Israelite as well. Verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You know, the shadow of death might be the shadow that, that death casts, or, or it may be what some scholars in studying the word called deep darkness. In Job chapter 10, verses 21 and 22, you know, it's written, Before I go, never to return, to a land of darkness and gloom, to a land of utter darkness, of deep shadow and disorder, where even the light is like darkness. You know, in, in the English Standard Version Study Bible, it, it's, 
it says that the shadow of death is perhaps the idea that in a valley in the desert in Judah, you can find such deep shadows that you can't know for sure who, whether it's bandits or what, whether it's animals or flash floods might lurk in those shadows. You know, even in those periods of suspense and, and of danger, the faithful are assured that God's with them so they don't have to be afraid. Greg Morse from Desiring God writes this, we don't often consider who leads us into the valley. This path of deathly shadows is not self-chosen. The sheep, sheep as they are, don't walk willingly into unlit places. They aren't lions to be so careless. Dark paths are where sheep die. So how in the world did David end up walking there of all places? His shepherd led him. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, lays us down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters and he guides us through dark valleys. And it's important for us to realize this. You know, when life overwhelms us, when we're uh, uh, tempted to believe that if we're truly his, we would never have to go in those places. But you know, David thought otherwise when he was writing. He writes, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. David doesn't see the shepherd scratching his head and wondering how they got to where they're at. Wonder why I could have took a long, wrong turn. Wonder if I missed the signpost and, and how did I wind up here? No, David trusted that the shepherd was leading him that way. You know, even though there are challenges in life, God goes before you. God is with you. God's faithful and just. God is worth thanking in the high places and in the low places. You know, it looks different for, for everybody, but we see in, in Scripture that the Lord fulfills His promises and that His faithfulness is sure and it's certain. You know, we see it even when uh, Abraham and Sarah, they were far beyond childbearing age. But God gave him a child to fulfill his promise. Genesis 18, verses 13 and 14, and chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, if you want to read those scriptures later on. But God declared his name Abraham, it means the father of nations, and at the age of 99, he had never had a child with his wife Sarah, who was 90 at the time. But they were visited by three men. And one of them told Sarah, told Abraham that Sarah would have a child the next year. Sarah became pregnant, bore a son to Abraham. And it's that very moment that had been predicted. They had waited so long. They, they, they had believed the promise of God for so long. And here it is. It's finally happened. You know, Abraham was then 100 years old and... I had a child named him Isaac and Isaac would go on to be a crucial character in, in the story of the nation of Israel following 
following after that path. He fathered Jacob, who had become Israel, the patriarch of all the Israelites. You know, God used that little thing to test Abraham and, and Sarah, but he used them mightily through their trust and, and through his faithfulness. You know, when you're tempted to give up, while you're waiting, look at the examples in the scriptures of God's faithfulness. Because he's faithful to, to deliver even when the circumstances seem to be pointing otherwise. How about this? Even though building an ark seemed odd, it really seemed strange. It saved Noah's family and God's faithfulness was revealed. Genesis 6, 11 through 14. It says this, said, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. You know, the Lord was bringing destruction on the earth. He was going to get rid of everybody, but he saved Noah and his family. And he was faithful in his promise to Noah. Noah. Noah endured. In the end, God was right about the flood that he was bringing. Everything was destroyed. But he saved Noah and his family just like he had promised. You know, even though Job had lost all his possessions and, and his health was taken, he stayed faithful to God. Job Chapter 1, verses 13 through 22 says, One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. <coughs> Excuse me. It collapsed on them and they're dead. I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, then fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked. I came from my mother's room, and naked I'll depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Job was faithful to, to God, and he served him. Even though he was doing that, still he suffered. But Job knew that through his, 
though his suffering, it wasn't worth comparing to the blessing that followed serving God. Man, that's an example. We got to serve and we got to stand firm in our faith in Jesus, no matter what our circumstances might be at the time. There was one pastor who wrote, Moses teaches us how to thank God for giving us a blessing. I want to repeat that. Moses teaches us how to thank God for giving us a blessing. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. This is Moses talking. He said, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised and oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking obedience to him and revering him, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you'll lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, <coughs> praise the Lord your God for the good land that he's given you. When you've done all these things, God's given you all these things. Yeah, there might have been rough times and there might have been hard times. And you might have had to go through it in the wilderness. But know this, you're going into a land that flows with milk and honey. You're going into a land where God is providing everything that you're ever going to have need of, and you're going to be blessed with it and know that God is there. So praise him for it. Back to Psalms 23, verse 4 and 5 again. It said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That, that same writer that we were talking about a few minutes ago wrote this. said, this is a graduated form of gratitude. It's the remedial level. Again, Moses taught us to thank God for the blessing. But this is a place where you learn to praise God even though. Even though title of our message tonight, even though. This is where you could have everything breaking loose in your life. It, 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 where you can have everything breaking loose in, in one area of your life and you don't understand it, but you're able to say it is well with my soul. When peace like a, ten, like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Even when my heart is broken. 
It's well, even if you're grieving the loss of a loved one. It's well, even though you're dealing with an unknown financial situation. It's well, even though you fill in the blank. You know what you're going through. It's well, and God is faithful even though. This is a table that you learn to thank God for what you can see. This is the table where you learn to thank God for what you can't see. You might not be able to see what's going on in your life and understand why you're going through what you're going through and why things are happening the way that they're happening. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, You know, and we see this even though whatever it is, God is faithful. You know, it goes on throughout scripture. John chapter 6 verses 1 through 14 gives us a picture of how 5,000 men and their families, they ate and they ate and they ate and they were full with food left over. Even though. There was only five little loaves of bread and two small fish. One author describes John chapter 6 verses 1 through 14 like this in his commentary. When the disciples saw the crowds and their lack of resources, they were overwhelmed and knew there was an unsolvable problem. But when they looked to Jesus, the problem was solved. The Lord provided. There is never too large of a lack that God cannot provide. But similar to before, God will be glorified whether he provides or whether he doesn't intervene in the situation. If he doesn't intervene, it doesn't mean that he can't, but that it's not in line with his will for the moment. We still have to know that he's able. We have to know that he is infinite in resources while we're finite in ours. You know, even though Jesus was put to death, he was raised from the dead. God's power can do the unthinkable. Raise the Lord Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah from the dead to fulfill his ultimate plan from before the foundation of the world. That's what the word of God says. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. In the beginning, God knew that Jesus was going to have to come and that he was going to have to be the sacrifice to save you and I. You know, even though Paul was a persecutor of Jesus in the church, his heart was turned around and God saved him. God knocked him off his high horse and set him on a street called straight. You know, God can change any heart, even the hardest, stoniest heart that you know of. And the beauty of the gospel of Jesus is that 
He's the only savior of sinners. He's all power. He's, he's not incapable to save because of the coldness of somebody's heart. He's able to penetrate and he's able to come in and, he's, and people are able to know him as their personal savior. They're able to have a personal and loving and complete relationship with him. You know, even though Peter was in chains and bound between guards, he escaped to prison. I'll give you the biggest one of all. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, a lot of people miss the, the, the truth that's implied whenever they read the fact that Christ died while we were yet sinners. He didn't wait for us to clean ourselves up. He didn't wait for us to clean up our act. He sacrificed himself while we were still actively opposed to him. You know, we sing that song. Reckless love every once in a while. I believe it's in the second verse that says, when I was your foe, still your love fought for me. Jesus came to save us. He came and he sacrificed himself even when we were an enemy of God. Even when we didn't care what God had to say, he came and he gave his life for us. Salvation doesn't depend on us meeting God halfway. Doesn't depend on us keeping the commandments or trying to be as good as we can. God completed the work of salvation with Jesus Christ on the cross. When we were in a state of rebellion against God and we didn't care what God had to say and we were doing everything against him, he died to save us. To give us grace. You know, even though Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, were thrown into the fiery furnace, God delivered them from it. You know, that's the even though. That's the God is faithful depth of faith that we need to get to. I, I want to give you a little context from uh, Daniel chapter 3. And one writer summarizes it this way. So three young men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken from their homes in Israel when they were children. They, along with Daniel, became important men in Babylon. The king of Babylon had created this huge statue as an idol <coughs> that was to be used for people to worship the king. He had made a law and said that everybody who didn't bow down and worship the idol would be thrown into the fire, furnace of fire. Now, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego had become governors in the kingdom, but they did not allow their position to keep them from obeying God. They refused to bow to the idol. As a result, they were put into a fiery furnace. However, they didn't burn up and die. 
In fact, the Bible says they were walking around in the furnace and there was a fourth person in the fire with them. And the king said it appeared to be the son of God. They were brought out of the furnace. The king repented of his pride and worshiped God. You see, their faith inflated and they said to the king, you know, hey king, you know, if we're thrown into that blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he'll deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know this. Oh, king, we're still not going to bow down and we're still not going to worship your idol. We're not going to worship this image of gold that you've set up. Whether or not they were rescued, they weren't going to bow. They weren't going to give up. They weren't going to give in and worship something that they know they, they shouldn't. Whether or not they were rescued, the faith that they showed is the depth of faith that we want. They stayed faithful to God regardless of the circumstances. What's the common thing in everything? The power of God. And God works through your obedience, through, through our obedience to trust him with the impossible circumstances. He wants us to be obedient and rely on him in tough times. He wants us to be obedient and worship him when the most unexplainable things happen to us. In all of these things, we can trust him and we can say that he's faithful. I want to look at the book of Habakkuk as we're finishing up here. Chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, it's written like this. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be faithful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to tread upon the heights. You know, we've all seen the videos of the sheep and the deer in Israel up on the mountains and they're just, they're jumping from rock to rock on sheer cliff faces. There's just barely enough place for them to land and to set their feet, but they're able to go from place to place to place, knowing and realizing that, that that they're safe. They have the ability to do it. Why? Because it's God that gives them the ability to do that. He gives them the ability to tread on those heights. You know, um, in those verses in Habakkuk, we, we see them lay out a strong cause and an effect relationship for us as an example to follow. Even though bad things happen, I still praise the Lord. Even though bad things happen, I won't let my mind be lost to the enemy, even though, whatever it is, God's faithful. There was a pastor that told a story one time of 
a couple that was facing medical issues and they were going through some challenges and they were told that new tests needed to be performed to, to rule out some neurological challenges. And they knew the outcome of the test were, were going to change their lives. And when they were praying before the scans were, were performed, the lady who was having the test done prayed and quoted Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. And, and, and she said, I love the last verse. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer. He makes me to walk upon the heights. And she said that I, I clung to these words when I was learning to walk again. And this was a long time ago, back in 2009. She personalized the passage for her situation. Though I cannot walk and I'm confined to a wheelchair. Though my face, though half my face is paralyzed and I can't even smile. Though I'm extremely impaired and I can't take care of my baby, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior, and, and the pastor finishes by saying this, this isn't the faith of a Christian who believes in God only when the sun shines. This is not a faith that wilts under pressure. This faith flourishes even though the pressure is on. The, this faith says even though bad things are happening, I will praise the Lord. So how might we personalize Habakkuk's prayer for us? Even though I'm under extreme financial pressure. Even though my children are not serving God right now the way that I think that they ought to be. Even though we're in a global crisis. Even though war is being raged in Europe right now. Even though, blank, whatever it is, whatever that you're facing, whatever you're going through, even though, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Friends, we got, we got to fix our eyes on the Lord. We got to keep our eyes on, on, on the good shepherd, no matter what the circumstances might be. We have to tell ourselves, even though, God, I'm going to trust you. Even though I'm going to choose to obey you, God. What's your blank space that you're dealing with tonight? What is your even though that you're in the middle of situations and you're in the middle of circumstances? Circumstances. What what is your even though that even though I'm going to choose to say yes to God and surrender my life to Him? What act of God? Uh, what act of obedience is God asking you to do? What's the one thing that God wants you to do in your life right now? Is God asking you to trust him? Is God asking you to wait on him? Is God asking you to go and do? 
Could he be asking you to just worship him and trust him and to believe him? Is he wanting you to seek him? Is he wanting you to give? Is he wanting you to just submit to him and say, God, here I am. God, you see what I'm going through. You see the thing that, that I'm facing right now. Every one of us have our own, even though in our life right now, it it's, could be something different for everybody. Everybody has their even though. So we got to learn to just submit to God. We got to learn to seek God through his word and through prayer. You, you have a question for God, get in the word, find the answer. Folks say all the time, I wish God would talk to me. When's the last time that we read his word? When's the last time we studied his word? When's the last time we prayed and we sat there and we got still long enough for him to speak to us in that still small voice and to wait on him? You know why we have to wait on him? Even though. Three little words. He is faithful. Let's all pray tonight as we close this out. Father, we thank you tonight that you're faithful, that you're a good, and that you're a righteous God. Lord, we're thankful that you're the Lord who always keeps your promises. We thank you that you're graceful and you're merciful in your salvation. We're thankful through you, for your faithfulness throughout the centuries, throughout all time, Lord God. You've always proven yourself faithful. You've always kept your promises. Your plans for our salvation have been unwavering, Lord. Father, we quoted the scripture a little while ago. The Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. We thank you, Father, that you're the God who makes who makes promises out of a character of love and of grace. And God, you keep those promises. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, in our community, in our church. God, we're abundantly blessed by your faithfulness and your goodness to us. God, we ask you, Lord, that you let this message be impactful, Lord. Father, as we inspect our lives and we find those blank spaces that we need to surrender to you. God, we seek after you in prayer. God, we seek after you in your word. God, we wait on you. God, let us trust you, Lord, in everything that we need. We pray these things, Lord, in the matchless, wonderful name of Jesus Christ.
Amen. We're so glad that you tuned in tonight. We're thankful that you took the time to listen. Wait on him. Trust him. Believe him. Even though. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.